You are listening to a Core Awareness Seminar by Liz Cook. Her website is www.coreawareness.com. That's C-O-R-E awareness.com. Please note that Core Awareness is a trademark signature of Liz Cook, her workshops, seminars, books, and CDs. The information presented in the seminar is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose of the seminar is to provide information and to simply educate. The author and publisher shall have neither liability nor responsibility to any person or entity with respect to any loss, damage, or injury caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly by the information, suggestions, explorations, or exercises contained within the seminar or written in response to the seminar. The author is not a medical authority, and she is not qualified to diagnose or prescribe any therapy. The information is simply her personal opinion. Please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have. Well, welcome, everybody. It's great to hear that people are joining us from as far away as Holland, and Cass is in New York, and uh, here I am, Liz Cook, in uh, Felton in the Redwood Forest in California. So isn't it amazing what technology has brought us, this opportunity for us all to come together and share a mini-workshop for an hour of um, uh, just sheer pleasure, I believe, um, knowing what it's like to work with Cass. Um, as you join us, as you come in and join us, welcome. And star uh, six will take you to mute so that way things that are happening in your home won't be, um, we won't be able to hear them. Unfortunately, I can't star six and neither can Cass, but hopefully we won't make too much noise on this end. Yeah, um, that would be counterproductive if we did. <laughs> So, so here we are, and uh, today we're talking about the psoas and uh, trauma and play, and what a what a dynamic um, kind of conversation between those three things because we don't usually think of trauma and play in the same sentence. And so, what I'm going to do is the the way it's the way it's going to work is I'm going to do a little introduction, and then. Um, Cass will do uh, say a few words, and then we're going to uh, head into an exploration that Cass is going to lead, and then we're going to open it up into a question-answer time and a conversation about what we what we just experienced or what that brought up or the questions you might have. Um, so I'm going to make a, a little announcement, which is that I'm Liz Cook, and uh, my website is Core Awareness, and my focus is, my specialty for the past 30 years has been focusing on the iliopsoas muscle, and I'm very um, intrigued by the core muscle of the body, the filet mignon, and, uh, and I really am excited to um, work with Cass because his work in biotunes, both the work that he does in movement and the work that he does with sound frequency has been an extraordinary adjunct to the work that I do. So uh, we've worked together before. We've done workshops together. We did a wonderful primitive play workshop in Santa Monica, and we're coming together soon to do another one in early March. I think it's the, I don't have the dates in front of me, I think it's the 6th through the 8th. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Santa Monica at a great studio, great Santa Monica's a great place to come visit. And and we're going to explore this idea of resolving trauma. And I, I feel it's really important to acknowledge that many forms of work release trauma, but they don't necessarily bring resolution, which is why in a week or a month or a year, you're, you're often dealing with the same material. It's like it's still circulating in the system. And, and so one of the ways that we work with it is through both uh, awareness, which is a lot of what my work is about, is core awareness and the proprioception, in other words, the neurological pathways 
the movement, uh, the, the fluid system that is part of continual movement, and, um, and the sound frequency, the frequency for me personally in working with trauma has been extraordinary. So Cast Ops has put together some incredible, incredible uh, frequency sound that you can use therapeutically. We're actually offering, uh, uh, he's offering uh, graciously a download free of the first one of his, the first one, the Sonic One, uh, by turning us on to people who might like to come into this workshop. We'd like to see this workshop full and, uh, and a great group of people to work with. And so whatever level the trauma system is on, we, one of the places to actually find resolution is in the play area because play hones our nervous system in a really uh, nurturing and dynamic way in which we start getting out of the restrictions that the trauma has uh, defined as what our capacity is into opportunities for something totally new that is very safe and and um, and and a way of of kind of learning something new about yourself so that instead of the old pattern being reinforced over and over again, there's ways in which one can, uh, as animals do, uh, go into go into spontaneous play, not social play. So we're defining the difference between social play and intuitive or what children do, what babies do, what animals do. And in the animal kingdom, an animal that doesn't play is often very hostile. In fact, they are hostile. That's one of the issues is that all animals have an imperative uh, need to play. They, they, it is an instinctual need to play. And so that hones the entire nervous system, both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So welcome, Cass. I really, really am thrilled that you're here, and I'm looking forward to our workshop coming up. And I'll turn it over to you now. And let just let me say, the people who are joining us right now, please mute, to, and you do that by star six. That means you can hear us, but you won't be able to speak until we open it up to the question um, and answer period. Hmm. Thank you. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, that was beautiful. The way that you that you um, that you laid all that out, Liz. So I'm looking forward to this workshop as well. The one of the things that I really enjoyed um, in collaborating with you and in our work uh, specifically has been, uh, I should say first, my work is focused really on the awakening process, the realizing that the source of life is inside, um, that all is within, and within that, we're, there's a basic. Um, choice of listening to fear versus listening to vitality, uh, joy, inspiration. Um, so uh, love is a word that is kind of like play. We, it's kind of this sort of, we don't really know what that is until we create, um, you know, until we clarify our terms. So, you know, listening to fear versus listening to love and um, uh, which is an internal process. When I discovered your work when you came along and started really pointing out that our survival fears were being held in the psoas, that I kept seeing this, this gripping that was happening to the core in myself, in other people, in my relationships. Um, and what I was seeing was this gripping, and I thought it was through the diaphragm. I thought it was through the chest and through, through the belly and all these different places. And in working with you, um, what you were able to do was educate me and so many of us, um, that the, the psoas is actually how we move forward. It's actually how we move um, in, in the world. And, and that all of that is, the, the, that group of muscles is connected to the diaphragm, connected to every aspect of, of our system. So um, what I was able to see was that in the mapping of the, the listening process of versus love, love versus fear, that the psoas would reflect this uh, very specifically uh, through the gripping or the releasing, through the play, through the expanding, um, and all these, these different ways. So that was really exciting for me to find that kind of mapping and that origins. Um, as well as is the, I mean, 
for those of you who don't know, Liz has de- dedicated her life <laughs> to <laughs> pretty much to the to the psoas. I mean, she she has this very clear understanding of it. And um, one of the the first workshops that I took with you, I was actually the first workshop I took with you. I had this experience where my psoas um, was like a tongue; it became active and alive along my spine, and. There was no fear. There was only this this exploration, this interest, and this this active wet tongue became. Uh, I know this sounds strange, but it was it was literally like licking the inside of my spine and r- releasing, and it was just it was extraordinary. So, um, so sounds I just pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. And what was amazing was that as the muscle became active, it would squeeze through the bone. I literally felt the resolution of density. Um, There wasn't a bone in my spine anymore. It was all just this very strong, supple, uh, fluid experience um, that was fearless. And the thing about play for me is that it comes from inspiration, meaning that there's 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 an interest to expand and an interest to explore. That's how I would. That, that's how I would kind of play with the word play. <laughs> so, do you have anything to say about any of that, Liz? So far. Um, well, thank you. And uh, uh, one of the things that for people who haven't worked with me is to understand is that I see the so as is. Uh, as a messenger of the central nervous system, or, or more specifically, the midline. So uh, going back to an embryonic model of how we came to be um, in existence, the spine, uh, it, before it was even a spine, was a midline, and our whole organism organizes around this midline. And the psoas grows out of the midline. And so as the messenger, it is, um, it's not the problem. It, it simply reflects either a, a self-regulatory, self-coherent organism, or it lets you know that something's amiss and that you're, uh, you are out of, of uh, relationship with your own organism and with the larger uh, biosphere. And so it's a it's all it's a messenger. So you don't have to shoot the messenger, um, but it does entail listening. And I think that's where your work cast comes in really beautifully with mine in your your uh, life work of listening and and literally going into the vibrational. Uh, the vibration of the tissue itself and, and of the nervous system, of the organism. And I, every time I'm, I've been working with your um, CDs recently, and um, I, I'm, I am, I'm so amazed. I'm really very touched by what the capacity of those sounds, uh, the effect they have on on me, on every aspect of myself, whether it's to nourish and calm and and feel held within a certain space or to to activate something. And I'd like you to speak of just, I would love for you to at least let people know a little bit about those uh, before we head into the experiment together. Sure. Thank you. Um, the... Going back to what I was saying about this, this choice um, of love versus fear, so vitality versus, uh, versus, you know, lack of vitality, the, the awareness that the source of life is internal, um, that is inside of us, that awareness, that knowing uh, is an awakening process. And that when you really start to focus on that process, when you really start to say, okay, most of my, I can see that um, my problems, that what appears to be my problems are coming from this, this idea that I don't have uh, creative say, that I, that I don't have the source of creation inside of me, that it's external. Um, that's uh, that's a subconscious process at first. What the CDs are able to do is drop, uh, drop, slow the slow the organism down, slow the brain down, 
uh, slow the mind down to the place of connection, to the place of where the source of life, you know, where we can really feel that that presence within ourselves. So there's 11 CDs, and you can work with various different aspects of your system that are needing that kind of tuning, that kind of realization. They're effective because they bypass the cognitive mind, and they take you into the experience of resonance, the the vibrational experience, which the body and uh, uh, understands completely. So it basically helps the cognitive mind that's based in a mental process um, connect to an experience that's deeper than what it it would regularly think that it has control of. Meaning the cognitive mind usually, uh, which is the chooser, the the choosing mind that says, I believe in love, I believe in fear. Um, That choosing mind, that cognitive aspect of our system, thinks it's the intelligence. It thinks that it's the actual intelligence. It thinks it's the source of life and um, that it needs to figure everything out by doing by solving problems and thinking and, you know, all of that's based on the past um, of, its, of its previous experiences. So what, what the CDs are helpful for and what our work is helpful for with the movement and everything that we're speaking about is helping the cognitive mind drop into an experience deeper than what it has control of so that it can relax and actually start to listen. So because it's the chooser, it can choose to listen and then choose what that intelligence is. I just want to let everyone know that if you want to hear more about uh, how he designed these these um, tapes and CDs or uh, downloads, you can do that by going on my website, coreawareness.com. There's a podcast of an interview uh, with Cass that, that talks specifically about the um, biotunes. So it's kind of time, Cass, to head into your exploration, and I'm very excited to do this. And maybe you could tell people about how long it's going to be that we're going to be in it so people, if they need to leave, kind of know how to plan their time. And if you've just joined us, let me just say, if you've just joined us, because I keep hearing little bells, if they just joined us, star six mutes you so we don't hear your background noise and it will allow you to listen. Uh, You won't be able to speak right away, but later we'll open it up for questions and answers. So go. Okay. First of all, um, Liz, how much time do we actually have for this? I was thinking maybe 15, 20 minutes. Is that reasonable? Yes. Okay. Uh, And then from there, we'll come out of it and we can do some question and answer. So for those yeah. of you who are just coming in, um, the, what we're working with is the SOAS and, and um, working with how it is that we can resolve trauma as opposed to manage trauma and how uh, play is a part of that. The, um, Liz, can you say a little, just really quickly, a little bit about how, where the, so let me see how I can set this up. Um, what I'm going to ask everyone to do is, if you can, find a way to lay down so that you can be either on the floor or uh, on your bed, however that works for you, and pull your legs so that your uh, your feet are on the floor and your knees are in the air. So you'll come into, um, do you, can you say a little bit about that position first, Liz, just quickly? Um, what it's that does. It's called constructive rest, and in constructive rest, you're basically in neutral. So you're you're uh, you're on the floor or on your bed, knees up, feet on on the bed. Preferably, actually, if you're going to be in constructive rest, it's better to be on the floor, maybe with a blanket or something that gives you good cushioning, so you're comfortable, but you have a little firmness through the feet. You'll actually get a better response. Um, beds are okay, but they're Floors are even better. Um, in constructive rest, the reason why it's called constructive rest, it's an intuitive position anyone with low back pain knows. And in constructive rest, gravity releases the iliopsoas muscle. So it's very neutral for the skeletal system. Uh, if your knees are kind of wobbly or they want to fall in or the muscles around your legs are dominating your attention, you could place uh, a pillow, a ball, um, 
a yoga block, something that you have that allows uh, you to rest slightly into the position. And um, uh, if that position is impossible for you, um, I'll ask Kath if this is appropriate, but the other way to go is to uh, roll over so you're in the same position, but you're on your side in a bed. So, for example, if you can't be in that position at all. So that would be another kind of semi-passive psoas position. Yeah. Um, great. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to take the next 15, 20 minutes to, to follow this. The first thing that I want to say is that, uh, in this workshop that Liz and I are exploring, we're working with really three parts. Uh, the first part is is the idea of of resolving so as uh, trauma, and which is a lot of slowing down and really just releasing and coming into the place of awareness where we're able to be in our bodies in a place of neutrality so that we're not moving from fear or away from fear and we're we're moving from a place of neutrality and joy and um, inspiration and vitality when the psoas releases there's an enormous vitality it's our innate uh, way of life it's what we are is vitality so the first part is really the slowing down and the releasing and relaxing and then from there inspiration happens and then we can play the um, so what I want to do is take us into that first part for a bit uh, so we can have an experience of what it feels like to be in neutrality and to drop below uh, below the cultural identity and below the cognitive mind. So if uh, you can go into this position we were just speaking to, if that doesn't work for you, uh, like Liz was saying, you can lay on your side and or you can also just uh, let your legs rest on the floor. So what I'm going to suggest is that everyone start to lay back, and um, one of the things that you can do is gradually let gravity pull your feet uh, towards the floor so that, you're, so that eventually your legs are straight out and so that they're laying flat on the floor. So what I'm going to do is just kind of guide us, and if you feel like your legs want to start sliding, uh, and releasing gradually, very, very slowly, back down to the floor so that the backs of the legs are resting on the floor, just, you know, perfectly laying flat on the earth or on your bed. You can play with that while we're, while we're doing this. So um, I'm assuming that most people probably have the phone in their hand, and ideally the best way to do that for right now is just to have it in your left hand and place your 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 right hand on your belly on your navel and so what i'm going to do is just guide everyone from i'm going to go into we're going to go into silence for a moment so just let yourself start to drop below uh, meaning drop down into your navel and drop below your thinking mind and just feel yourself starting to land into the earth. See if you can really feel the earth coming up and supporting you. So with your hand on your belly, your right hand on your belly, see if you can start to feel your breath dropping into your belly where the inhales and the exhales are happening happening naturally. Your, your spine by just lifting up through your crown and just sort of elongating the crown and the back of the neck up, up towards the, you know, kind of pressing through the roof. If you're laying on your side, you would basically have a pillow supporting your head and you can do the same thing that way. So you're just 
gradually allowing your breath to drop as you feel the floor support. Now from here, let the throat open and let the jaw open and relax. And just notice how it is that your diaphragm and the chest and the belly start to release so that you can drop deeper into the pelvis, deeper into the lower back, deeper into the psoas. notice two things. You may notice that your breath is releasing and you may notice that it's speeding up at times or starting to slow down. So you may go through these fluctuations where the breath will will sort of fluctuate. It might speed up for a moment and then start to release and then your whole system will drop and start to slow down even more. So from here, start to take a breath from the palms of the feet as though you're breathing the earth into your feet. So place your awareness at the palms of your feet and feel the floor supporting the palms of your feet. And from there, just take an inhale, breathing up through the palms of the feet into the legs, up to the knees, and all the way into the pelvis, and allowing the exhales to follow that same pathway. We'll just take a couple of moments with this so we can just really connect with that breathing process. So you're, you're inhaling up, up from the floor, up into the palms of the feet, feeling that travel through the legs, the knees, into the pelvis, and then exhaling the same pathway. As you're doing this, you are probably going to notice that the lower back is starting to release and relax. So you may feel a softness on the inside of the spine, and that would be basically probably about four inches um, below your navel and in between where your hand is, just dropping in the inside of the spine. Let the jaw release even more. Let the throat open. Let the chest drop into the belly. And let the back of the heart fall backwards into the floor. supporting the head and let, and let the head really drop into the earth Those of you that are just joining in, I believe you'd press star six. 
to mute your your line. So notice the slowing down that's happening in your system. If you can notice that constant that's that's there, that presence, that constant, and from there you'll see you'll start to see a spaciousness through the breath. See if you can start focusing on your heart beating and feeling your heartbeat as your breath is just happening naturally. For those of you who are just joining in, please press star six. Notice the connection between your heartbeat and your breath. Just very gently press the head into the back of the floor. Just really gently and softly press the back of the head into the floor. And notice what that does to the lower back and the connection between the pelvis and the lower back. If you can start to feel the sort of rhythmic pulsing that's happening through the lower back, through the psoas, you may start to feel this releasing through the the uh, the hips, and just invite a really gentle pulsing wave motion by sort of rocking the pelvic floor arcing the, the lower back very gently and releasing. See if you can take a couple of deep breaths into the upper chest, the upper lungs. And let the exhale have an awe sound like this. So just like a whispering awe sound as you're exhaling. Notice what happens in the dropping of the diaphragm, in the dropping of the pelvis. If you're feeling the legs wanting to drop to the floor, just allow that to happen very slowly as though they're gliding down to the floor, releasing. So continue with this awe sound and be sure that you're allowing the inhales to happen very naturally, very slowly in their own accord. Notice how the belly is just rising and falling. Those of you who are just joining us, press star six to mute your line. And somebody, I think, needs to press star six. We're hearing an awe sound, which is nice. 
of the things that we really focus on is the understanding that pleasure is the guide. Positive sensation through the body is the guide. Really pay attention to that. See if you can really allow the positive sensation to take over and inform the breath. Notice how the breath can elongate and you can start taking breath through the ribs, the backs of the ribs, the side. Notice the shifts that are happening in the back of the heart, 
to the spine. That's the top of the psoas. Somewhere around there, in the middle of the back, and the back of the heart. As you're dropping and relaxing and breathing, you'll start to notice that the tongue is releasing. And just let the tongue have its own expression, its own fluctuations. Notice uh, where it is in your mouth, if it's touching the roof. Uh, the, the jaw will continue to release. And give yourself permission to have the tongue come out of the mouth so that you can release further, you'll notice that this releases the psoas and the spine and the pelvis. Just let the tongue kind of unravel and unfold and unwind. Again, the sound can be, the awe sound can be beautiful. Those of us who have anything that they want to ask or share, 
you can uh, you can start to we can start to do that. There's a I actually just forgot what the code is to be able to start talking. So I'll let, let me um, I'll jump in here right now just to give people a transition time. When we're going to mute, it might be if you want to talk, you're going to unmute. But I would recommend that uh, we kind of take turns because otherwise it gets kind of crazy. Um, so the you mute you unmute the same way you muted. You do stars star six, and the, in case anyone has to to leave. I want to tell you how you can, um, two ways you can play back this recording. One is to call it back, and you can, the uh, conference playback number is um, 712-432-1698, and you use the same access code that you have. And the other, that's probably a more uh, a better way to listen to it because we can clean it up a bit, and uh, we'll have a podcast on coreawareness.com that you can uh, download free and listen to it. Great. So, is there anyone that has anything they want to share or ask questions about? Could you describe the psoas muscle, its attachments, perhaps something about its personality? Liz, do you want to? Uh, yeah, I'll take that one. Um, uh, can I describe the attachments? Uh, and then I heard something about something else, and I didn't hear the second part. Uh, well, its shape, its style, uh, something about its personality. Oh, something about its personality. Uh, well, every psoas is unique um, because it is you. And so each of us has a unique uh, tissue structure and, and responsiveness. But one of the things over 30 years of playing with the psoas, I can say, is that it's um, both very, very ancient. It's like the wizened uh, creature or, or a shaman. And it's uh, like a newborn baby. It has both of those qualities to it. It has an incredible, light, sensitive uh and it's either safe or it's not. And nothing your mind tells you, oh, I should trust this or this is good for me or whatever, means anything to the psoas. You either are safe or you aren't safe. It's a very simple, just as a child is, or a young baby, in its recognition of what feels good and what doesn't. So it's very simple that way. In terms of, um, in terms of where it is, it uh, grows out of your spine at either T12 or the first lumbar spine. People, it actually grows out of our bodies. They're all different, um, and nobody attached your spine, so we're not made like Fords on a factory assembly line, so nobody attached. That's a biomechanical term, and most of us use those biomechanical terms without really realizing it because that's the way we've been trained. And one of my um, passions is to start using a bio-intelligent language, and that takes some time because I catch myself. I still use biomechanical terms, so I have to kind of shift out of that idea that something attaches to that they literally the psoas grows out of the spine, and it comes from the sides of the vertebrae, and the tissue uh, grows out, and its density or its suppleness has a lot to do with how you experience yourself and the kinds of activities you've done and what what has been required of the psoas. But theoretically, it's a very supple, juicy, like if you've ever eaten filet mignon of a, of a cow, if you're uh, a meat eater, it's the most delectable because it has almost no fascia sheath on it. It grows out of each of the vertebrae and then passes through the pelvis and uh, grows out of actually, again, or into whichever one you want to think of it, into the lesser trochanter of the femur. And uh, the Ill, that's the psoas, and then there's an iliacus that goes from there up and lines the inside of your pelvis and fans open and becomes the basin uh, of your pelvic uh, bowl or your, your pelvic girdle. Okay. Is there anyone else who do we have any other questions or any comments? 
I actually have a question. I've I've gone to um, two of your workshops, Liz, in New York. Um, my name is Dreema, and I, I'm just wondering. I love it, but I also really dislike it. And I don't mean that. I really mean that in a strange kind of good way. But I would like to continue the work, but it's so hard for me. And I'm wondering. What's hard about it? Um, what's hard about it is, like, I've come on the second day, I feel so exhausted that I'm really forcing myself to do the second day. So the second time I did the workshop, I didn't force myself. I don't, even while we just did this mini exercise, um, there's a moment that comes up for me that I just, it. I don't know, it's like my brain literally just says, stop doing this. Uh, I think, Cass, you should take that one. Yeah, I can take that. The there's first of all, the um, that voice is actually the defense structure that maintains control. Um, not, I'm not saying that's specific. I'm not saying that's your voice. I'm saying, generally speaking, um, when we're doing something that's that's biointelligent and healthy, and you hear that voice come forward, that's usually your defense structure that's based on maintaining control. Um, so it actually can be trauma coming forward to, meaning, you know, why it is that that defense structure was built in the first place? You may be running into your, your history. The thing that I want to speak to specifically, what you were saying about the second day being exhausted, um, the usually because there's such a holding that's going on, such a vigilance where we're living in a cultural speed as opposed to a, a more coherent bio speed, which is much slower and much more connected to the earth. They, uh, there's when we start to go into the body and we start to really drop below the cultural speed. There is we start to realize that we really are tired, and there is a kind of exhaustion that's there. So generally. Um, what, what's happening is the, the cognitive mind comes in, the defense structures come in and say, well, I can't slow down, and, and this work is just creating more problems for me. But really what's happening is that you're starting to slow down, and the, the cognitive mind will say, no, I shouldn't be slowing down, and your system's saying, yeah, I really should just be laying down and relaxing and letting this rest happen so I can gain the renewal. Great. Thank you so much. It makes a lot of sense. Help, yeah. So the idea is to actually just continue to listen to your system and give it the nourishment that it needs on, on that felt sense level as opposed to what the cognitive mind is saying, which is this is horrible, this is hard, you know, I don't want to do this. I hate I hate all of this. That's just your, your cognitive, you know, the defense structure coming up. Well, a couple other tips for that is uh, uh, just to frame it for everyone is that uh, different workshops have different speeds and focuses to them. So, for example, the 12-hour SOAS workshop has a, 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 a more external organization to it, you know, a lot of information. So that can also be, wow, that's a lot of information. Um, and, and experiences that are more back-to-back. -back. Whereas something like the workshop that Cass and I do, and that's why I do a variety of different kinds of workshops, there is tremendous space. Rather than learning, 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 there's a, a huge opportunity to discover uh, what you your bio real rhythm really is, and what your need really is, and so there isn't an agenda in accomplishment. There's nothing being accomplished, and so you drop into a place of nourishment that the workshop itself is the nourishment, and that's a different type of workshop than something that is uh, a more active workshop where we may be exploring different dynamics with the psoas and how it functions and what it does. And so that may, uh, may also suit you better to attend something that has the ability to, and I, I recommend that, that's why I recommend people 
you know, they usually come in wanting information about the psoas. And I, I offer that through the 12 hour, but then I encourage people to go into a longer workshop where they actually experience their psoas in a slower biorhythmic way. Yeah, it's also really interesting too because there's one like you like what you were just expressing in your question. There's one part of your system that's saying, "Stop doing this! I don't want to slow down. I don't want this work." And yet your your actual system your is saying, "I need this work. I need this 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 relaxing. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted." Um, so it's really just it's kind of a juggling act, and what you're listening for is balance, so that you're you're paying attention to what's keeping a balance in your own system, so that you can stay the course with yourself. And Liz, you said that so beautifully about being able to slow down and listen to your own system's needs, just trusting that, learning how to trust that process. You have uh, any more questions out there, or anything to share? I have a question. Let's hear it. Earlier you talked about solving trauma as opposed to managing trauma. Yeah. And then the reference to the cell access, knowing when it's safe and when it's not safe. So mm -hmm. how would one make a resolution to uh, resolve trauma and, and know that the, the, that the psoas is safe when you go through life and have uh, potentially or perceived dangers come to you. Okay. Liz, do you have anything for this first? Yeah, I'd like to speak to it first. Thank you. Um, the first response I have is that uh, there's a differentiation between uh, old trauma and being resilient and capable and in the present moment and the capacity to respond to what's happening in the moment. Those are two very different things. Most of us are carrying um, uh, experiences that are unresolved, which means they're not digested. From the nervous point of view, when you have, well, let's define trauma really quickly. Trauma is any experience you might have that overstimulates you to the point where you're unable to digest it in the moment, and it gets uh, kind of neurologically in tissue, both chemically and electrically, stored. And so we later for digestion. So, for example, in an animal, when they're in freeze mode, they go into freeze mode, but when it's over, they shake it off and they move on. But humans have the capacity to keep reimagining something, and we have, we're a little more complex than that, and we have a whole cultural belief system that adds a whole other level. And, uh, and so there's a, a, a domestication of the so, as you might say, in which it doesn't respond um, in its animalistic capacity, which is to let something go after it's over. So uh, that's part of what we're, call, what we're actually calling trauma, is that trauma is the unresolved uh, stimulation to the um, electrical, chemical uh, dynamic of the tissue. So it comes up at various times. That's different than having a resilient, dynamic psoas that that when you're in your gut, when you live in your core, you have an instinctive, uh, your heart, your brain, your, your uh, belly brain, your gut are all responding simultaneous to what is happening. So you have the capacity to actually register information and not react, but be able to respond to, to whatever your life experience is. Yeah, you want to say something more about that, Cass? Um, no, yeah, that was really well said. I, the definition of trauma was very clear, too. Uh, the, let's see. I think you pretty much said everything. You just said it really well. The, there's the thing, the beauty of working with the SOAS and working with the understanding that so much of what we're working with is subconscious. The defense structures are subconscious. The belief and fear is subconscious. And the psoas is this amazing communicator of the subconscious. So meaning that there's behind all of that, there's this intelligence that can tell you what works and what doesn't. And the psoas appears to be the, 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 the connection to the nervous system, which is then connected to that subconscious intelligence. That's, 
so just to point that out, that that's what we're working with um, as part of our mapping. Oh, and I want to say one other thing about that, because that's beautiful. Um, I want to say that another somebody mentioned the other day to me, and I thought this was a great term for the SOAS. She said, the SOAS is like the beacon of truth. And, <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. You know, because it is. It's like you, you really, you know, you can't fool the SOAS. You can't pay it off. You can't... Um, you, you can suppress it, but you can, you can't really uh, control it, which is why it's it's so fabulous because it's just really is the beacon of truth for you for the instinctual organism. Yeah, and in what we've noticed in our explorations in play is that when when it becomes time to interact, as in play with others, the SOAS will inform you very specifically on what level you can engage with someone. And again, it's totally non-cognitive. It's totally beyond your conceptual self. We had this experience where there was a lady in the workshop who was very open in her ideas of herself, but yet her psoas was saying, I'm not ready to play with this person. And what we noticed when we were working with her was that she generally felt like she had boundary issues with people because she she wanted to be open, and yet some part of her system was saying, this is the degree that I can be open, but she wasn't listening. And so as soon as she started to really listen to the impulses of her psoas, which is, again, this communicator of the subconscious awareness, the greater intelligence, um, she was able to really define her own boundaries more clearly, her own parameters of engagement more clearly, and respond from a healthy place as opposed to a concept of a healthy place. Oh, that's so beautiful. And and I I remember that dynamic. And one of the things for people to know was that it was a cultural belief yeah. system. It wasn't a personal belief system. In other words, she was South American, and she had been taught when she walked in a room to engage each person, to hug them, to kiss them as a little girl. And yet, in her gut, she, you know, so she was taught to be really open and expressive and available. But that's not what her instinctual need was. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was, it's great because every culture engages you in a different way. And so someone else might be engaged in a culture that's very controlling, uh, where your behavior is very controlled. And, in fact, we had that contrast in that workshop of someone who was from a culture, she was English, and she said, you know, I was taught not to touch someone, not to go into their space, not to engage them in that way. And yet her desire was to reach out and was to make connection. And so she had to start. So we all struggle no matter what. Not one was better than the other of, of what it is to live from our core. What is it to really actually uh, be self-expressive from our, our biological Core. That's a, it's, a, it's an investigation. Yeah, and and just to say, the word bio it means life. It's it's a Greek word, and it means life. So when we're saying bio intelligent, we're saying life, as in yourself, intelligent, your true your true spirit, your true your true self. Um, so are there so any other? We should, we should probably stop soon. So if we're going to take one, let's take one more question. Okay. Anybody? Okay. I don't really. Yep. Can I? Yeah. Yep. I don't really have a question, but I noticed in lying on the floor that um, all my spine was indicating where there was tension, and I didn't feel. Um, it was like uh, superficially, I didn't feel tension in my mouth or in my arms or my legs, but my spine was very. Um, how do you say that? Uh, it was like um, all kinds of wooden pieces, uh, more or less connected. So it was showing me something I didn't expect. Yeah. So it's not a question, but it's more like my experience. And afterwards, I feel very warm, so which is very nice as well, also in my spine. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, did you notice how when you would find the tension, how the breath could just really gently release that? Um, when you were asking to uh, to, uh, to breathe through the, the palms of the feet, 
um, that was really calming down. But as yeah. soon as I have to put attention to my um, diaphragm and or listen to my heartbeat, um, this gives me a very restless feeling. So yeah. but I noticed that um, working with the feet, uh, going to the pelvis and back and forth, um, I like that very much. And then it's really slowed uh, slowed down. That's great. Yeah. Good to have the resources that you know so you can then go into these places where you're holding and then basically start to bridge them back to the places where you feel connected. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. And thank you, Cass, for leading, leading us through that exploration. That was, a, that was a new adventure to do it for me on, on, uh, on the telephone. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. This has been great. So I, I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. And um, I guess that's it for me. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And join us again. And Cass, tell people how they can reach you. Uh, you can go on to, there's two websites. You can go on to the bio website, which is um, biotune.net, B-I-O-T-U-N-E dot net. And then I have a second website called Awake One, A W A K E dash O N E dot com, Awake One dot com. So you can pretty much find my information out that way. Great. Thank you so much. And you can find me at www.coreawareness.com. And uh, come join us in Santa Monica for some fun uh, explorations with the SOAS and play. And resolving that trauma and so that you can be free to do whatever it is you want to do in this lifetime. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> Bye. Very much. Bye.